This is the Conrad Alert. Civil defense information will be broadcast at 640. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Y2K. How can we prepare? Stop a few of their machines and radios. Throw them into darkness for a few hours. We are fighting for our lives. My family must survive. Over five years, thousand gallons of gas, air filtration, water filtration. Coming at you from the frozen tundra that is East Central Alberta, Canada. Streaming live on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Rumble, Odyssey, and Facebook. Welcome back to the workshop where we create community, find freedom, promote preparedness, and share success. I am Toolman Tim. Today is June 1st, 2023, and this is episode 316 of Workshop Radio. How the hell is everyone out there? I am finally back in the saddle, back in the live studio, the Workshop Radio studio. It's good. I'm not going anywhere for like three months, so you won't have any of these on-the-road episodes that you love so much, but here we are. So let's get some announcements out of the way, and then we'll bring on the whole crew that's sitting in the background. We got a, a good one. Tonight, we're going to take a second dive into the first book, uh, One Second After. It's going to be great. First off, Thursday night, let's remember our sponsor, my good buddy, Joel Riles over at Fortress Canine. You can go to FortressCanine.com. Uh, normally, I talk about his podcast, but uh, I got thinking about how bad my chihuahuas were lately. <laughs> I guess they're just pissed because I've been gone for a bit. And Joel also offers Canine Academy over at FortressCanine.com. So if your dogs are bad, well, you know, you can uh, get online training with him. I don't think there's any help for mine, but honestly, all kidding aside, Joel is an incredible dude whom I've spent many time, much time with drink some bourbon with, smoke some cigars with, and he's a dude that I trust. So give him some support. If you need to fill out your podcast feed, then uh, give him a go because he has good stuff. Hey, number two, I got to stand up to show you guys this. Here is the latest. See that? The latest shirt from John Willis. Since it's like the first two minutes of the episode, I can't read it out loud. Otherwise, this video will be demonetized. So we are what we are. <laughs> but it says F your feelings for anybody out there who wants to see it with a beautiful smiley face. So thanks to John for sending that out. I use the over-the-shoulder tactical carry bag, or as my wife likes to call it, my man purse, uh, from John all the time. You can pick it up at originalsoe.com. And he's a good friend of mine, so give him some support. We love to keep the money in the anarchist agorist community. And finally, guys, speaking to friends that I enjoy, uh, EMP Shield. It's a company that sells a product that I'm willing to back at this point, and they employ friends of mine that I trust and want to help support. So if you're ever thinking about getting a whole home surge protector, lightning arrester, and if you're thinking, hey, it'd be kind of cool to have some EMP protection as well, you can use my promo code ToolmanTim and you save 50 bucks off it. Hey, Red Moose Farm, we see you in there. So with that, I got a whole bunch of fellow delinquents in the background. Let's see if we can fit them all on the screen tonight. Hey, y'all, how are you? Oh, I got Rachel, I got Nate. Oh, Evening. There we go. Somehow it all muted. There we go. Oh, Nate's still muted. There we go. There we go. Fixed. <laughs> How is everybody? Good. Evening. All right. Not, not too bad at all. It's good to have you back. We we figured that we did so much, or we did, there's so much in that book that Nate and I were kind of talking after last episode that it was worth coming back and uh, revisiting the book for a second go. So even though we didn't necessarily focus on just the first half last time. 
this evening we're going to try to focus on the last six-ish chapters, I think. Let me see what I got in my notes. So from chapter six on, it doesn't mean we won't jump around, but there was so much interest in this book that I thought we couldn't just let it lie with a single episode. So here we are. So what's everybody been up to? Let's go around the horn. Nate, what have you been getting up to lately? Uh, we got our garden in. Uh, nice. Playing around with that. Uh, we actually had to use our transfer pump, go down to the pond, and pull water out of the pond to fill the rain barrels up. Yes, sir. We have not gotten any rain for, what's it been, three weeks? Sounds about uh, right here, too. And instead of using the city water that's got chlorine and all that other fun stuff in it, we just uh, threw the water barrels on the AT, back of the ATV. Well, the, the little herbivore trailer that I have. Yeah. It's a 40 by 48, so it'll fit an IBC tote, basically. Was that the Harbor Freight trailer, did you say? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. A nice, the, the non-foldable one, right? Yes. Yeah. It's a little tiny one. It's the 40 by 48. Nice. We, we use it as a lawn cart, basically. Okay. Um, so I threw the rain barrels on there, uh, unhooked them from the gutter system, set them on top, strapped them down. We went down to the pond and then uh, sucked a bunch of water out. And it worked better than the oh, town yeah. water for sure, right? Yep. Yep. Right on. Yeah, it worked great. How about you, Rach? What have you been up to? Same thing with working on the garden. I think we're probably a little over a week that we haven't had any rain. Okay. So, yeah, it's going around. Seems to be the, the I don't know, the running theme just about everywhere. And uh, how's work been? Haven't gotten in any trouble. Good. That I know. Well, I don't know. Is that living? If you're not getting in trouble? I think it's probably about the favorite troll around there. So, you know. <laughs> Excellent. How about John Palmer? How are you been, bud? Oh, he's on mute. Uh, oh, there you go. Man, I'll, this has been a week. Uh, I mean, as far as this now, I've been getting everybody else's rain. It seems like it rains about every two days around here, so I can't dry anything out. But I did get another wicking bed built out of a uh, an old shot vac drum. Man, I tell you what, you don't talk about a good planter for planting stuff like tomato plants and pepper plants and stuff like that. You even if you don't make a wicking bed out of it, you take one of those uh, just a you know old shot vac that give out motor give out and everything throw the top part away and just use the bottom of it for a planter man that's already got wheels under it and everything it's perfect and red green would be proud of you <laughs> i've uh, i've uh, i've picked them up off the side of the road and and throwed them in the jeep and brought them home i i had to work on the jeep recently i've just man i tell you what i've bought 10 chickens because i found a guy selling uh uh, chickens for uh, $5 a piece for 18 month old hens uh, out of what is this commercial hatchery hens that they, you know, they, they get them right after they start laying and they use them for about a year and then they get a new, you know, bunch of them. And so uh, got those going. Nice. I, I just, just, you know, dealing with life as it tries to smack me in the face. Now, I'm not saying you sound like Boomhauer, but for just a minute, I had a Boomhauer moment there because I heard, man, I tell you what. And I'm like, oh, come on, do the Boomhauer. That is great. That's okay. I was having an, uh, an uh, uh, Aerosmith throwback when you said back in the saddle again. 
Oh, back in the yes, sir. How about Byron? How's BR? Yeah, I'm doing all right. And finally got my garden planted. There's a small garden planted, and the bigger garden out to the farm is my stepmom would work on it a little bit. And it's been dry here too. We got a little rain the other night, but it's still dusty. And all I know, if we don't get any rain by by Saturday, I have to water everything. So it's getting there. I'm telling you, we. We just come back from uh, well, Addy near Spokane, and we got we got some rain while we were there. We went through one massive downpour, but coming back through Alberta, boy, it's hurting. There's places that should be green that are yellow, and we we could. I mean, it's calling for a bunch of rain, but it called for like half an inch this afternoon. We didn't get any of it, so I guess we'll we'll wait and see what we end up with. So we already had our first, we had our first ninety degree day today, too. So mm. it's gonna be good. I think it's gonna be a long hot summer. Awesome. Yep, I know the the farmers up here got the crops in, but uh, it, it's just just damp enough. I mean, we had a nasty we had nasty fall. We had below average snow for the winter, and we haven't had a hell of a lot of rain yet. So we could use it. And then, of course, uh, out east where I grew up, Nova Scotia, they got wildfires too, which almost never happens. So ah, anyway, it is what it is. We had Jody on here. She might pop back in. I think she might have had some technical difficulties. So. If she comes back, we'll we'll introduce her because she's new. This is she's very excited to get on the first her first episode with us. So, all right. So we're gonna. Um, I guess we're just gonna. So what I did tonight, so that I would try to force us to stay on topic. No, we can go anywhere we want. That's the fun of it. It's, it's our show. But I went through and I grabbed. So when I look in the audio book, it says there's only eleven chapters. But when you listen to chapter eleven. It's actually chapter 11 and chapter 12. So there is, so I did chapter six through 12. And what I realized or didn't realize was at the start of each chapter, it gives what day it is. And we're halfway through the book, chapter six, and it's only 10 days into the event. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. The, the second half jumps a bit, but even that, like, even by the time we get to the war, it's only 63 days in. Right. So mm-hmm. before I forget, I was doing a little bit of digging on this book today. I don't think I mentioned this before, but there was an article in 2021 saying that J. Michael Straczynski was going to write a pilot for this show, but I haven't seen any more about it. So he wrote one of my favorite shows, Jeremiah, from years ago, and I believe he wrote Babylon 5 and a few others. So he's he's... He's no spring chicken when it comes to post-apocalyptic fiction. Hmm. All right, I so oh, go ahead. With the, with the writer strike going on, that might be a little while. Oh, I don't know what. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Just replace him with an AI bot because yeah, you know. exactly. Champion GPT <laughs> couldn't be any worse than the trash that they've been writing anyway. Oh, yeah. oh man, I'm telling you, we we used Chat GPT today for. Um, some things we'll just leave it at that and it's very effective let's put it that way so uh if, if you need something written in say uh in in the writing style of a grade nine reader it can do that in case you're wondering so <laughs> not for my kids but if i was helping somebody else that is a possibility so interesting all right so chapter six starts out uh with an infection getting really nasty in his hand anybody have any- like, I mean, it's 10 days in, so it's going to be nasty. But what do you guys 
think about that? Well, who wants to start with that? Because it was just right from the beginning. It was a, an awful situation. Yeah, it, it's John. John always says. So if you ever listen to John Willis and okay. his live streams, he always straight out says, "It's not going to be the gunshot that gets you. It's going to be the cut that gets you yeah. on your hand." Right. Yeah, the, the hangnails. He's. Yeah, the hangnails. Exactly. You know, it's, it's a slip of the chainsaw. Yeah. Sure. Anything. Yeah, I mean that that got Howard in uh, uh, the Going Home series. Yep. yep. So it's always the little things that end up coming back and bite you in the ass. I remember, um, I don't know if it was somebody my dad knew or a story he heard as a kid, but there was a guy in the woods who nicked himself, probably on an artery, on a chainsaw, and he panicked and started running, trying to get out of the woods, and he didn't make it very far, you know, maybe a minute or two, and they found him there completely dead, right? So. Yeah. That's why you, you gotta have it. your medical on your person all the time. Yeah. Oh man. I this is some I mean, I guess I didn't even really I'm not gonna say I didn't know what a tourniquet was, but I didn't know how easy they were to use many years ago when I used to use a chainsaw. But I'll tell you right now, I would never work on a chainsaw without a tourniquet by hand anymore. Because mm-hmm. whew. Uh, oh I here, still need here. One. what's that? I still need one. That's okay. Chris and says even I after- even after we had that guy at work that uh, lost his leg and almost bled out because of a forklift accident, you'd think that I would like carry one at all times. But yeah, no. None of us are perfect, Rach. I'm telling you, there's things I forgot on my last road trip that I've never forgot before. So it's just it's life. We try to, <laughs> you know, it's like it's like the other day my brother-in-law says, "Hey Tim, can I borrow your knife?" I'm like, "Um, actually, it's sitting on my end table at home." He's like. What kind of damn prepper are you? You don't have your neck knife on. I'm like, see, the one time you need the knife, I forget it. So there you go. What's that? Or a flashlight. I don't know. I've got three flashlights I can carry, and I was, and today I had none of them on me. Sure. Well, you know what? My flashlight hangs <laughs> on That's my why I have the flashlight, though. <laughs> so Chris says he went canoeing two months ago, got a scratch, and the water from the river infected it. Two months later, and it's almost healed, and that's with topical antibiotics. So there you go. So we're talking two months later, and it's still a little bit weird. And here's my thing. I don't know. uh, We're all, I mean, we're all kind of in that same age category. But as a person gets older, things don't heal quite as fast as they did when you were a kid. You notice that too, Nate? Mm -hmm. Yep. I have little scratches that'll hang on just a little longer. Yes. Oh, is that comfrey sap? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, you know, I always used to joke about how mom and dad's, you know, the skin on their arm always looked a little thin, you know, and just, you know, you hit 40, you're like, yeah, it's just not quite as thick as it used to be. You know? <laughs> yep. It rubs the lotion. Yeah, it don't get know? any better there, Tim, let me tell you. <laughs> well, the alternative, it beats the alternative. Let's put it that way. <laughs> you know, I've always had an argument for that. Because, you know, depending on your beliefs, you know, I was raised, you know, with Christian beliefs. They tell you that, you know, that once, you know, we leave this life, we go into paradise. So, I mean, maybe the alternative is better. We just don't know. (laughs) I don't know that I want to test that theory because, you know, I mean, coming back from that's a little difficult from what I understand. So (laughs) the thing thing is about that theory is it it has a 100 percent fatality rate in order to test it. So, yeah, it, it is what it is. Right. You know. Well, 
Living has a hundred percent fatality rate. Life does. Yeah. Life does. Yeah, there. <laughs> Life, the sexually yeah. transmitted disease that is under that's a hundred percent mortality rate. <laughs> exactly. Big bad Snail Creek Homestead. Great to have you. So, to put that into perspective, you got Chris, who just a little tiny water infection, and it's taken two months with proper treatment and topical antibiotics. So. It's, uh, yeah, I, the next, I, I don't want to jinx it and I don't want to get a bad cut, but the next bad cut, I'm going to test out some of this comfrey and see how much better it works because it, yeah, it can't hurt. Let's put it that way. And I keep probably three jars at least of that Dr. Christopher's around all the time. Is that the bone salve or bone solver or is that a different one? Yeah. Bone and joint is what it's called, but it's made with uh, comfrey and some other stuff. <laughs> comfrey is the base but okay. i'm telling you right now using that uh on a cut versus you you know using nothing or using neosporin even which i i've talked to some medical professionals that that talk about that neosporin is like because of what's in it is really like some of the worst stuff that you can use really? uh, oh yeah yeah it, yeah, the- it actually yeah, it kills the beneficial stuff okay. too. So, um, but I, I use that Doctor Doctor Christopher's, and the difference between using that and using nothing or using anything else I've tried is in the healing time. It it cuts it in half for me. That's cool. I really, I mean, I made some. I just haven't actually used it yet. So I guess I need to. You guys keep bragging it up. It's just one of those things. So I have to take. I got I got so much. I'll bring some with me next time I head south to hand out at the events but oh chris says grow aloe if you can i mm-hmm. i'll say when i when i was a kid a good friend of mine i used to spend the night at his house jason he had a wood stove in his kitchen and you know back in the day there was no such thing as insulated pipe so you had the old wood wood pipe just glowing red hot and i was going to put my boots on hit my elbow right there right on the pipe <laughs> i'd never heard of aloe vera before and his mom God rest her soul. She's passed away since. She gave me some. She said, just keep putting that on there all all day long. Just kept taking the pain away. It was so good. It's the weirdest that's thing. Just, that, that, that's just about like uh, one of the worst burns I ever got. I was heating some metal to bend it uh, for a, uh, a bracket uh, to fit something to one of my motorcycles. And the piece... I was holding it up there to see if it, if I was getting it close, I just finished heating it up. I mean, just glowing hot and bending it some and, and the piece slipped and I reached and grabbed it right where I had been heating it up. (gasps) Golly. I I just, I can feel that. I can just feel it. Oh yeah. And then, so, okay, let's bring it back to the, the infection because it don't take much to get a burn infected either. You know, no. I mean, and that would be easy. You know, you're trying to build a fire or get something going you can cook on. You're doing some sort of, you know, field expedient fireplace or something. And you go grab. There's been times I put like those glass. I used to, when I was young and broke, I used to use a glass pot. You know, the all glass ones you could use on the stovetop. Except I'd put them in the oven and bake in them. And then I'd go, I'd put them on the stovetop and then go grab the handle. And yeah, you know, so just stupid things, right? You, you don't think, you make a dumb move and yeah. So from there, they went, they, they ended up having, uh, th- this was something Nat had mentioned in the book club 
telegram group and if you're not a part come by and join but he mentioned about a lot he wanted to hear more about the discussion of how, how to make sure people get fed how to make sure people held on to their food so what did everybody think about the fact that they wanted to offer protection for the farms anybody want to jump in on that R- reality that's the only way you're going to do it i mean you're going to get you're either going to have people stealing food or you're just not going to eat yeah. right yeah well it's it's either you take you are going to take care of it yourself and be one person you know and, and never get any sleep at night because that's when everybody's going to swing through or you're going to get um you're going to have five or six people out there and everybody's going to be able to eat. So. And it, it's tough because, and I get it. And what I really appreciated about uh, what fortune did in the book was he knew like even John, the main character, he knew what the right thing was. He knew what his principles were, but he also had to be practical in every scenario. They did it. You know, they, they had to mm-hmm. talk and he's like, I understand. I hate the, I, but it's funny because he's not always practical, right? There's times he's practical, and then, yeah. and then there's the next conversation when they talk about their dogs, right? Yeah. So yeah, it. Um, did you like the comp? Like two or three times they mentioned the mafia. He always made those offhand comments about, uh, "Oh yeah, you're from Jersey. I know you know all about the protection racket, don't you?" Yeah. Yeah, I heard that one. <laughs> So what do you think, Byron, about that as far as um, did you think they did a good job distributing the food or what, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, for the situation, I guess that small area they were in, you know, they, they did the best they could because they knew well, later on they knew, you know, they, they had trouble coming. So they needed to keep the the younger one, the younger, more able bodied people health, healthy and able to protect them and keep the ones that knew what to do going healthy. That, that was tough. I, I don't know that man because there were people like the the dean of the the Christian school there mm-hmm. he he him and his wife basically made up their mind that they weren't going to eat and I think I mean that's noble I get it I yeah. you know if I were that age I, I hope I would do the same thing because like they said it was a form of triage but for somebody to you know intentionally make the choice to not eat so that younger people could survive that that's that's a special person man that's crazy. Okay. What about, uh, there's quite a bit of conversation about how this, the group, like in, in chapter six, it was the forming of the town he's in. And then the other town, do you guys remember the name of the other town that kind of joins forces with them? Uh, Charleston? Was it, it was Charleston? Charleston? Uh, I don't remember. So I figured we were far enough removed, we might not remember. But either yeah. way, the whole idea was, hey, if you do this, we'll align with this. Uh, and if you do this. What's that? I'll tell you in a minute. <laughs> no problem. I cannot remember. But it definitely felt like years ago, it wasn't, well, I mean, Becky and I've been together a little while. She got me to watch the two doors you know, with Henry VIII or whatever. And it was a good, it was a good show. I enjoyed it. But the whole idea was first you'd be aligned with France and then France would piss you off. And then all of a sudden, France is the enemy, and Spain's your ally now. You know, very much like 1984. Who does that sound like in current day? 
<laughs> yeah, you're right. Except, except for on that thing, the only ones that you couldn't take off was the church because they could run your whole world. Well, yeah. that's true, except Henry VIII is like, well, screw you. Yeah. I'm going to start my own church. I want a divorce. So he, he's like, here's the Anglican church. Surprise. He was, oh, yeah, he, man, he was an interesting dude, that guy. That yeah, was a good show. Mm. That, um, Natalie Dormer, she got started in that. She was Anne Boleyn. Uh, the yeah. One. Yeah, she's been in everything since, but I yeah, like, and, uh, what's uh, that? She was in, uh. Hunger Games. Yeah. Uh, what was the other one? We just watched it. Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah, 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 right. Yeah, she was, yeah, and. Jonathan Reese Myers was great as Henry. I thought he was he's an awesome yeah. actor. I like him a lot. He doesn't do a lot now, but he yeah. Um how about when they threatened to blow up the water supply? Uh what do you think of that, Rachel? Or at least the conversation around threatening to blow up the water supply. Do you mean at the very end when he was trying to demand the insulin for his daughter or no, in earlier the on when they're they're having the discussion at the town council meeting where they say yeah, you know, um, get rid when of they want, Yeah, when they wanted to send the uh, the townspeople to them. Yes. Yeah. I think that was probably the best play they could have made, really. I, I mean, these, these guys are trying to pull a power play and tell you, here is what you will do. Okay, well, you know, you can't piss off the people that actually control one of your necessities. I mean, they're literally downstream from them, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the only thing I thought about that is, is threatening. It's one thing. You wouldn't actually want to do it if it came to actually like some kind of an action. You just want to poison the water supply because you might need the resources that they have later. And then after everybody dies, you just go down there and plunder it. Oh, that John, that John, boy, that John's a twisted dude. I'd never come up with something that twisted, John. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, you're right, though. Absolutely. That Well, that was the idea behind uh, an EMP, wasn't it? The fact that, you know, I mean, that's the same kind of concept. Let's um, kind of not destroy the land, but let's kill all the people so that it's not irradiated and we can come in and take it over afterwards. Right. So, yeah, very similar. Yeah, you don't want to be like Russia where when you're fleeing from the Germans, you just burn everything so that there's nothing left. So is that I don't I don't know a ton about that. So what? How did that? You know a little more about that, John? That was part of the. That was part of what got, gave them such a great victory when Germany was uh, going to invade Russia. Is, is the fact that when Russia uh, fell back, they just burnt everything, and German army couldn't get resupplied fast enough to keep up. Now the other side of it was is. Germany was not prepared for the winners that you get in Russia. And while the Russians were well prepared for it, the Germans were freezing to death. Well, I guess that's a little similar in this instance as well. We're going to talk about it in a couple of chapters down the road. But I mean, John and his family pulled out of his home under the understanding that they were going to burn those houses so they had so that the enemy had nowhere to hide. Mm -hmm. it, it's an interesting. Yeah. Um, so how about the refugees? The I don't know what to call it. The the plan. What do you think of that, Nate? Where they are like, well, what do we do? Well, let's let them through. I think that that's 
the best way to handle it. Just keep on moving. You know, you, we're, we're not going to take you in. Go figure, go find somewhere else. You know, they already took that, in a bunch of people off the highway. See, that so, whole part of that, I didn't understand. I, so that you can barricade up the road, but nothing keeps them from just traipsing off through the woods and going right. around the barricades where you can't see them. That, so I don't know. That I just I didn't were, get. I, I remember them searching them out, too. Yeah. Right. So and I were, think, oh, go ahead, Nate. Sorry, bud. There, there were a couple instances of that in the book where they, you know, we're missing five people. We're going to go find them. Mm-hmm. And I think they, I, I mean, I think they, they were, their back was against a wall. And right. I mean, we've all seen how many cheesy, I mean, well, okay. The author himself, every time he wants to kind of illustrate something, he uses movie scenes or book scenes or TV scenes, because that's what we know, right? So how many of us have seen movies like World War Z, for instance, or The Walking Dead, where you have these great big hordes of either zombies or refugees who just continue to push and push and push, and eventually it just becomes its own force that you can't reckon with. Oh, here it is. Yeah. Chris says the refugee pressure relief valve was mentioned in Clay Martin's Prairie Fire as an excellent way to get refugees moving along away from you. Huh. And he specifically referenced one second after. It's a great idea, else you get overwhelmed. What is, uh, is that a, I'm going to guess that's a book. Has anybody read that or seen? Uh, no. No. So I'll, it, I'll see if I can find a link for it. What's that, Nate? Well, uh, one of the other things, this, the scorched earth policy. Yep. That was done down here in the U.S. Oh, during the Civil War, wasn't it? it was, yeah, it was Sherman's March to the Sea. Yeah, it was the Union. It was the Unions doing that to the Confederates as they were moving down to what is it, uh, Charleston or uh, Savannah? I don't remember what what exactly area it was, but yeah, it was it was Sherman who did that. Yeah, I do remember that too. Uh, so maybe the Russians stole it from us. I don't know. Russians probably got it from Napoleon. Napoleon was oh. notorious for that. Was he really? So again, oh, yeah. what would they do? They would go in, take the land, and they would burn everything behind them. So they, huh? That's interesting. Hey, fun fact about Napoleon: you know, he was always kind of renowned for being a short guy. He's actually like about five eight, but he surrounded himself with very large men as sh- as soldiers, so it made him look smaller. Yep. No. Was that just so that people would underestimate him? No, that was because he wanted big people fighting for him. (laughs) He wanted big, strong men, and it just, they ended up being bigger than him. (laughs) I just threw up an Amazon link. Uh, For some reason, it defaulted to Amazon Canada, but there is Prairie Fire, and it's called, actually, let's go back here. I'm going to bring it up for anybody who's on the live stream right quick. Present. Share screen. There it is, guys. So this is, um, well, hang on. There it is. Prairie Fire Guidebook for Surviving Civil War Part or Civil War Two. Uh, Prairie Fire is a guide for red counties to survive. Oh yes, yes. Now I know this book. Okay. Um, said uh, real world examples such as Concrete Jungle, a Green Berets Guide to Urban Survival. It's a spiritual successor made specifically for those in rural areas. So very cool. I'll. Uh, do my damn just to add a link to that in the show notes without forgetting. So, 
But yeah, uh, oh, there we go. You said, yeah, Chris just said it. The second book builds on the first one, Concrete Jungle. There we are. Cool. See, this is why I love our community. We always learn something new every episode. So, so yeah, the pressure relief valve for the refugees coming through. The thing I thought about was how they kind of dangled the carrot at the end. Hey, there's fresh water just around the corner. You know, go get a drink and wash up your kids. Like, it. Fortune's really good in propaganda and using psychology to get what they want. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, selling like, that hope of uh, right. hopes and dreams, really. Well, there was there was both ends. So in that refugee pr- pressure cooker, they had the, you know, dangling the carrot at the end. You had the fresh water going. And then he also said, remember how they had the people wearing the CDC outfits or the, the chemical warfare outfits? And he said that created a, a natural barrier and a feeling of inferiority. So you had desperate people feeling inferior with a little bit of hope here. He was basically using their entire emotional spectrum to force them through, you know? And then you had some armed guards all the way along, and it worked pretty well for quite a while. Yeah, that that was a smart thing to do, get the hazmat suits out. You know, keep people kind of at bay worried about something that there might be yeah. something wrong in the area. Right. I liked yeah. it. I mean, it is, you know, I, nothing's perfect in any of these books. It always, it's always the same thing. You always worry, you know, um, well, you always think, well, I wouldn't do it that way. Or, you know, we judge them. But when you're in a scenario and survival is the only option, you got to come up with some shady shit sometimes, I think. Yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah. So Tyler passed away and Tyler oh, looks like uh, John just hit some bumps there. You okay, John? Sorry about that. Oh, you're good. I couldn't hear it. It was just funny. I was making sure you're okay. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just rough Oklahoma roads. Oh, that, yeah. It's all right. So Jennifer, that right? That's the, the grandmother. Her name was Jennifer as well. Yep. Or Jen. Yeah. They call her Jen. Yeah, um, she was a pretty strong woman. What do you think of her, Rach? I think she's pretty much the best anybody could hope for as far as how to handle things in a situation. I mean, she she was there for everybody. She did the nursing. She made sure everybody got fed, made sure everybody was taken care of. Uh, with Tyler being in the nursing home and being in such a, a horrible state, she didn't care what it was. She cleaned him up. She cleaned him up after laying in his own mess for, you know, however long, and never, never said a thing. Never just did anything, but worked her way through it. And the next day will be better. She held it together. I mean, we deal with the situation with the dog here in a few minutes. That she. Uh... She did the hard thing every time, mm-hmm. you know, John said she used to help him clean up, uh, throw up or baby diapers, or he just didn't have the stomach for it. And she just, you know, completely, uh, held it together for him. So chapter six, oh, what's that Rach? She was his rock. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is cool because it was his mother-in-law and I love, yeah. I love some of the reminiscing about how things were a little rough and rocky, you know, right down to her finding them in a compromising position on the living room couch. (laughs) (laughs) So chapter six started on day 10. 
it ends with John passing out from the infection. Chapter 7 opens up day 18. So we've only gone a week, basically, eight days. Mm -hmm. And he wakes up with Michaela taking care of him. And a line that she mentions early on is, hospitals are now more dangerous than just staying at home. What do you think of that, Byron? That's true. I mean, because you had an uh, infection running rampant there. There was no sanitary, nothing to clean with. I mean, you know, there's no filtering you know, of the air. Nobody cleaning up after the patients that was in there. Or if the wow, even right. patients that was there, if you did a triage, you still had, you were limited on the medical supplies. You only treated the person that needed it, not, not the whole you know, staff or all, you know, for a possible outbreak or something. So hospitals are already a, a pretty good place to get an infection, and as it is, when times are good, so I mean, it'd be pretty natural for them to just be a complete cesspool if things went down downhill. Oh, I said hospitals and funeral homes are germ are germ factories. I mean, All we have to do is do. What's that? Old folks' homes too. I was, yeah, you took yeah. the words right out uh, of my mouth, Nate. Exactly. Old folks' home is just a hospital for old people to yep. go, you know, to their basically the last of their days when they can't be on their own. But no, it's true. I was gonna, I was gonna tell you, Tim, a a good mother-in-law, man, as as bad as some mother-in-laws can be, if you get a good one, man, that that's that's just like gold. I I had a great mother-in-law. Uh, same kind of deal. It started out kind of rocky. I'm, I can't blame her. The The first date that I took my wife on when I showed up to pick her up, they were both at work uh, at a truck stop. And, and I, I was wearing a T-shirt that said, I'm so good, I screamed my own name out during sex. So that, that was her first impression of me. Dude, that's awesome. And you're right. I, you know, we don't always, I mean, they say we can't pick her. We can't pick our family, but we can pick our friends. But, you know, and you, you can't help who you fall in love with, but it sure helps, like you said, to have an incredible mother-in-law, right? Uh, Chris, let's show to anybody out there have a good mother-in-law, throw it in the comments because that's awesome. Chris says my mother-in-law was born a homesteader and she's amazing. That's great. Nate, you put your hand up, did you, brother? Yep, yep. Yeah, our, my mother-in-law is awesome. Um, that's good. My, my wife's mother-in-law, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> was, was, was Aaron married before? No. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, under, I get you guys. I totally do. That's cool. Yeah. Having a good support system, especially an extended support system, is worth so much. And that, that's a yeah. good point, John. I appreciate you bringing that up, brother. So, um, Michaela, so he wakes up. Michaela's been watching over him. And I think this was the point where Jen or Jenny, whatever her name, the, the mother-in-law, kind of softened a bit to Michaela because she realized if it wasn't for Michaela, John would probably be dead at this point. Wakes up, hot dog soup, I think, right? Was it hot dog soup? I think. I think so. Yeah. yeah I don't. What's that, Rach? Wasn't hot dog and potato? I think so, yeah. And yeah. he was hungry, but um, they have to have a conversation. Michaela says to John, we need to talk to Jennifer about the concept of death. Has anyone out there ever had to discuss that with kids in the, in this kind of instance? Not not in this dark of a necessity, but it, that's a tough. Death is a hard topic to talk around, no matter what. Uh -huh. 
the no, easiest way to do it have animals yep. just have animals they have animals and they have livestock yeah. yeah kids kids figure it out really quick and that's that's probably helped with us um my kids understand shit happens right you know it, it we either do really good or we do really bad you know it's i i made it very clear to our kids that our livestock have great lives while they're here and it's just one bad day right and not even a bad day a bad instant yeah yeah pretty much so I, cool. I i think that's the easiest way to do it coming from somebody who has livestock and has kids and the kids are pretty sensitive i would mm -hmm. say something like that so well yeah because um William Fortune, in the book, he talks a lot about how modern society has been removed from death, right down mm -hmm. to the, you know, the, the, the mini golf carpet that's covering the dirt pile or the excavator hidden out of sight until everybody mm -hmm. leaves. That's mm -hmm. a good point, Nate. Uh, Letty just signed up to come back on the show and, and talk about um, being prepared for death again. And that that's really good about the, you know, the necessity. Our, our three older grew up always you know, being around on dispatch day, you know, whenever we would take care of chickens or pigs or whatever. And, and that was helpful for them. They, they knew, you know, Allie and Charlie, maybe, maybe they've been a little more removed from it. Maybe that's on me, but yeah, that, that's a good point, man. Yeah. Uh, from there, um, the homemade shower. Uh, what do you think of the homemade shower, Byron? Pretty good idea. I mean, you gotta have it. I mean, it's easier than trying to take a bath out of a bucket. <laughs> Them, you know, a sponge bath or a hoe bath. As you <laughs> well, I was thinking, um, of course, that's where my mind went to as a dad. As soon as they said who built it, I'm like, oh, yeah, Ben. Of course he built it because he's going <laughs> to help his girlfriend out. But they were pretty quick to tell him, uh, yeah, no, no, he, you're good. So I was at Costco yesterday morning. This was in the States. I don't know if we have them in Canada or not. But I saw a really cool. It looked like, I don't know, an industrial strength watering can, like you would, you know, water your um, flowers with, right? Except it was totally enclosed and it had a hose that came off it, just like a normal, you know, watering can head, you know, so it would kind of sprinkle out. But on the back end, it had a pump, just like um, a pesticide pump, you know, like a, a Roundup type thing. And this was made for, to be a pressurized water canister. So you could go around, put water in it, pump it up and it was an off-grid kind of um thing i got thinking it was black so you could leave it in the sun and probably have a quick navy bath or navy shower using something like that so i thought was I, anybody seen one of those before nope no yeah that's what i thought of anyway when i seen it but um shortwave radio nate we haven't said that three-letter word that starts with h and ends in ham but uh, <laughs> i'll take a drink for you <laughs> so i want to ask you being our resident uh ham nerd head what i don't know what do you yeah. call ham ha hammy guy i don't you, you, you uh, a ham radio um, uh, ham radio operator amateur you'll be our, our, our uh you're gonna be He's our a ham head ham yeah. head. <laughs> big ham so Two things I want to ask you, Nate. Number one, how important is having access to short radio right now? And how effective or how widespread do you think shortwave radio actually would be 
in a scenario like this? Uh, it's still a thing. Um, it's the 40 meter or 41 meter broadcast band. Okay. In uh, Europe, it goes 7.2 to 7.4. Okay. I think. And it's all AM. Um, so it kind of crosses over the 40 meter amateur radio band that's from 7.2 to 7.3. Okay. Um, you'll hear them come in. There's a, usually a, a loud carrier, so you, you can pick up the actual frequency, you know, like the center point. And then it's just, it all depends on propagation. Uh, we do have some shortwave in the, in the U.S. It's down near... It's in the six megahertz range, somewhere around there. So it's like right below 40 meters. Voice of America? Yeah, Voice of America was definitely a thing. Um, that museum is still up and running if anybody ever ever wants to go check it out. Uh, okay. It's in, it's in Cleveland, I think. Cleveland, and they still, Yeah, and they still have the antenna up along with the transmitter. Re- okay. Um, it's... Actually, it's on the air. You can make contact with somebody who's down there. Okay. I have them. I have them in my log. It was I don't know about a year ago. I think I got them. It's uh, Whiskey Alpha Eight VOA. So Voice of America, I think, is what it is. I'd have to look up the exact call sign, but it is, is Voice the- of America. Because I've picked up on shortwave. I'm sure an American station before that transmits out of. The Rocky Mountains, I thought. Am I? Yeah, that's probably going to be a pirate um, or okay. religious. A, a lot a- of religious yes. is on shortwave. So there was just um, just recently, and if somebody out there knows it, the, the, the article came across my wavelength for a minute a while back. There was one in Tennessee, and it had kind of a survivalist prepper mm-hmm. kind of bent or whatever. I believe there's still an online radio station, but I think they said it was costing them something like five grand a month to operate the shortwave station. They just didn't have the money. So they, they've shut it down, which is, it's a shame, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's definitely, it's, it's useful, but your line of sight is more around, you know, like down your block. Right. But your shortwave is over the horizon. Okay. So if you're set up in, say, Iowa, you can get east coast, west coast, you know, if, if you have an omnidirectional antenna. So what? I, not that we're going to turn it into the ham radio hour, but if a person wanted a decent shortwave radio to play with now, maybe buy two, throw one in a Faraday cage or something, just in case, and any recommendations or? Um... Sea crane, I think, is one. Okay. I'd have let me look it up real quick. It's uh I'll give you the give me a second here. I, I bought I have a couple in my drawer. Um, I'm gonna see if I can find one because I found one for pretty darn cheap on Amazon a while back. And yeah, it worked, yeah, it worked good. I and I've got um I think you and I talked about I, I bought a little string antenna that you can you know, hook it in and then you throw it up over a tree limb or something to give you a little better connection. Yep. yep. So I'll, I'll put it in the, uh, the 
Or I'll send it to you in Telegram, Tim. Yeah, sure. And I'll, I'll share it out here, guys. Well, you know what? I'm I'm actually keeping the links tonight. So I'm going to put both books and the shortwave radio in here. So I'll grab that from Telegram from you, Nate. So that is a C-Crane single sideband with AM and FM. It's okay. brand new. It's about 170 bucks. Um, but that will cover all the amateur radio bands, all the shortwave bands, and... Really, you can spend the money and throw a you know a hundred dollar antenna behind it, and you get everything. Did I hear you say that covers the amateur bands as well? Mm-hmm. Holy, that would be a great product just for information gathering. Yeah, it's it it's all right. So all pretty much all your single sideband radios like that will cover the amateur radio bands. Oh, okay. Um, and I can cover all of them on my amateur radios. Okay. So I, um, I actually can get airband, um, on my two meter, 70 centimeter rig. I can get Chicago air traffic control. That's not very close to you, is it? It's actually really close to me. It's like 60 miles away. Okay. So I, I I can get O'Hare. And I can also get the airport that's five miles down the road. Um, It's just, it's, you have to look for those radios that have that set up. Now my um, HF rig will cover, it's 30 kilohertz to 52 megahertz. So it's it it's a huge span, everything in between. It'll do everything from your regular AM radio stations in town, so I can get uh, WLS on it, eight ninety okay. out of Chicago. I can get all the religious Sunday sermons that are done on on uh, shortwave. I can get European shortwave coming in. Uh, I can get all the ham radio bands, everything. So it's like we might have to do another ham episode, Nate. We got all kinds of questions coming up. We do. Um, so <laughs> that RTLSDR, you need a laptop. Okay. And what about GMRS radio? GMRS is really good for line of sight. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're talking within a block, really. Okay. And you know, unless you're up on a mountain, then that's how you get your magical hundred mile range. So if you're driving in a convoy, it'd be okay. Yeah, if you're driving in a convoy, you'll get, you know, maybe three miles if you got an external antenna. Okay, that'd be plenty. You know, unless you're a really bad driver. Right. Cool. All right. Well, I, I think that explains the fact that we definitely need to do another ham radio episode, Nate, because there's always every time we joke about ham. Here, here's another drink. <laughs> but every time we do an episode, it's a huge, hugely popular. So we will, maybe, uh, maybe on an odd night or something. Maybe I don't know if a Friday night works for you sometime. Yeah, we can do. We can it. do whenever. I'm open. Cool. All right. So back to chapter seven. We'll jump along a little bit. Um, let's see. Yes. So the first passing mention of the large organized cult, and they said there is a guy over in Knoxville who is working up on a holy war. Now, the last time I heard that, I had to chuckle because 
somebody, a friend of mine, I don't think I mentioned this in the past, so I'm not going to say who, but an extended member in our community told me about a, uh, I don't know if cult's the right word, but a bit of a militaristic church in that general vicinity. <laughs> so I was like, what are the chances? I don't imagine it was based on that, but it could be, you know? So it was, yeah, it was uh, an interesting the cult aspect and something I never caught until this time around was the fact that the what the posse was actually yeah uh, a cult not sorry not a cult I didn't mean that a um, what do they call it? a gang an, or, an organized gang pre EMP yeah. Yeah, have you ever heard of them Byron or is that was it made up for the book do you think I'd say it was made up or mm -hmm. it might have been something like years ago maybe like a a small gang or something from South America or some name, maybe. Hey, Nate, can you answer a ham radio question in 30 seconds? Yeah. Okay. Best bang for your buck ham transceiver on the market? What's your budget? <laughs> Under $500. <laughs> uh, you, do you want local comms or do you want over-the-horizon comms? By ham transceiver, I'm guessing... They're thinking every, like, far, like shack in the box. You're not going to find anything. You're not going to find a shack in the box for, so that'll have UHF, VHF, and HF. You're looking at about 1200 bucks. Okay. So how about 1200 bucks? And what would be the one you'd say? Uh, Yesu 991A. Y-E-A-S-U 991A. Okay. Is a shack in the box, but if you want to split them up, so if that if that rate if you break that radio, you have a different radio. Redundancy, like you, you, yeah, redundancy. You want to go with like a seventy three hundred. Okay, uh, it's an ICOM seventy three hundred, or my personal favorite would be a Yesu FT eight ninety one. FT eight nine one. Yep, eight nine one for HF, and then a TYT ninety eight hundred for UHF and VHF. Whoops, I put VIF, but you guys know what I mean. That's there you right. go. So I put all the at least. There's no links there, but if, if anybody's listening to this in the audio and they're like, "Oh, Nate, yeah, that thing's a walking dictionary." Anyway, it's all in the live chat if you come on YouTube and check it out. So yep, or shoot me an email or a question. You can find me in the workshop. So I got to uh, I got to shout out Moonbear because I only I don't remember. I only do you guys remember seeing Moonbear in here before once or twice nope. maybe or no? Good to have you because they're very interested in ham radio. So I like that. Yeah, I will. Uh... I, I will spend your money for you. <laughs> <laughs> Nate loves to live vicariously through uh, other hamsters for sure. So, well, I mean, all right. So anybody who is getting in into it, my current shack right now, I have a, it's an ICOM IC seventy six ten. I also have an Maritron AL eight eleven H amp. It's an eight hundred watt amp. That is for my HF bands, and then for UHF VHF. It's a Yesu FTM 400 that'll do uh, digital as well. And I do have the hotspot to get on to all those little fun stuff on the internet. Next time you come on, when we, the next show we do, I'll get you to put a whole list together. You can use your uh, affiliate links or whatever, but I'll share a whole list 
of whatever okay. you're whatever you're using. That would be cool. Yeah, show and tell. Yes. Yeah. Oh boy, I love show and tell. Well, That's why I started my I, YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah. I, I'll turn this on so you guys can see what this uh, this stuff looks like. All right. And then well, you can just post it. You do. You you guys talk. I'll take pictures. Yeah. So chapter eight, guys. At chapter eight, we go into day thirty-five. So we are five weeks into the apocalypse. And one of my one of the low-key favorite kind of things that happened in this book is them rebuilding a phone line. Mm-hmm. I uh, I had Ryan Buford on the show. Oh, it must have been a year ago. We did post-apocalyptic salvage, talking about what you could haul off from places what you could rebuild from things. And I loved hearing them talk about the old, you know, hand crank phone, the the manual switchboard. I don't want to date anybody here, but does anyone remember living somewhere that still had a switchboard? Okay, good. All right. I've done the dial, the rotary phones. Yeah. Rotary's been only uh, as old as I go. Okay. So I'm 42 (laughs) for now until next year. And I remember party lines, which is fine. Oh, yeah. I, worked, I worked with a lady who was 10 years older than me at Home Hardware, maybe even less than 10 years. She lived in a, like, almost as rural as Digby Neck guy. It was, well, Sandy Cove, so not that rural, but it was, you know, 15, 20 minutes from the closest town. And she remembers as a little kid, the switchboard. There used You still dialed in to a lady there, so she would be probably... I'm going to guess 50, 52 right now, something like that. And she remembered there being a switchboard in the town of Sand or the village of Sandy Cove growing up. So it's not that far removed in, you know, the small towns where we grew up. (laughs) We had party lines. That was it. Party lines were fun. I'm sure I've told this story, but my dad used to play chess over party lines with his best friend. Used to piss the neighbor off quite a bit. She'd get on, you'd hear her go, <sighs> and then slam the phone down and come back on 10 minutes later. <laughs> Nate shared some pictures here. Uh, yeah. I will, I'll share them out. On, uh, that, yeah, yeah. Or, oh, I don't know if I, yeah, I'll see if I can figure it out. So, uh, Chris says, can use telephone lines, car relays, and a battery to make a crude neighborhood telegraph. Add a buzzer, and it can be a hood alarm as well. Huh. Anybody look into something like that before? Yeah, so you can do something, that. something similar to this, um, probably our youngest active member over on Telegram, Mr. Clark Deacon. He is uh, a young father, entrepreneur. He's just an incredibly inspiring dude. He mentioned the other day that every time he walked past a certain house, he would hear some sort of buzz. And he thought it, he, I don't know if he knew what it was, but all I could think of was like, you know, when you enter a room when the old tube TVs were on and when you're young Mm -hmm. enough to still have the frequency in your ears, you could hear it pretty good. It kind of sounded like that sort of thing. Turns out he's, he walked around the house later on and discovered this guy has some sort of deterrent device on his home. And I guess they're using them in parks where they turn them on after midnight to keep teenagers out of the parks, but they're a high pitch frequency that only people under 25 can hear. So Rather an interesting kind of sonic warfare type thing. That is a I love that it's Go it's ahead, like Ray. those oh, it's like those ahead. pest things that you plug into the wall, but for teenagers. I love it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but the thing you plug into the wall doesn't work. Hopefully this does. Right. Well, Clark can hear it. It bugs him. 
I mean, he's what is he? Uh, 21, 23? I can't remember. He's not very old. So, so it's it, like yeah, several yeah. years ago, I had nieces and nephews that had ringtones that I couldn't hear, but they could because it was just a high pitched noise that was out of my ability to hear anymore. <laughs> it was a teenager thing that they basically they could put that ringer on their phone and the parents couldn't hear it ringing, but they could. So, wow. James, speaking of which, James mentioned in the Telegram group, he's heard about teenagers using these high frequency uh, buzzers or sounds to cheat during tests so that because the teacher can't hear it. How friggin' uh, I, if I caught a kid doing that, I'd give him a hundred automatically. Because to be able to come up with something like that, mm -hmm. that's using your brain. <laughs> yeah, it is. Because they ain't going to remember when they get out of school, they're not going to remember, you know, a whole lot about Shakespeare, but I bet they'll remember how to improvise something like that. Oh, so, yeah. That's cool. Man, I, yeah. I, I got to dig It's not that hard to shake a spear, though. I mean, how are you going to forget that? Well, that's true. But <laughs> um, okay. How many people know Morse code? You can tap that out on a desk easily. That's true. But eventually the teacher's going to be like, can you just shut the hell up? <laughs> <laughs> or tap your foot on the ground. That is true. Or anything. There's lots of things you can yeah. do. If you were sitting in front of somebody, you could be like, tap, tap on your head, you know, like whatever. Yep. But kids, I love it. Yeah, unless so, the teacher was an old Navy pilot or something, I, I believe they yeah. still have to know that stuff. <laughs> do you think... You think 35 days is a realistic timeline to have a impromptu phone system put back together, guys? Anybody want to grab that? Mm, not with the right people. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I have to run off and grab my cord. That's okay. Yeah, I, that's, I thought it, I it, it happen. Go ahead. If, 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 if communication is important to you, you'll make it happen. I agree. I mean, it's, it's similar Necessity to... Necessity is the mother of invention. Absolutely. That's what it comes down to. And I thought it was cool because they weren't just salvaging like physical goods. They were also salvaging knowledge because they were reaching out to the old linesmen that had been around for 40 or 50 or 60 yep. years, you know, and they're like, hey, can you help us with this? I, I like that quite a bit. It, uh, know Your Joe says hearing the repetitive nature of Morse code would be a giveaway if the teacher could hear it. Mm hmm. I like that. Yeah, but I mean, if, if you had one person that knew the answers and it was a multiple choice, I mean, all you have to do is hit your frequencies three times, one time, whatever, right? So, yeah. And uh, Martinson said, if the old tech phones were in storage, it wouldn't take long. But like they said, they went along railroads and they found little pieces of old telegram wire and it wouldn't take long to figure something like that out. No. Like, for instance, if you go to our local provost museum, they have old telephones and that sort of thing on display there. So you would need, I don't know, what do they start with? Four phones or something? A switchboard and some wire. And then eventually it doesn't take them long and they're all of a sudden, oh, yeah, we're, we got it hooked into the next town. Mm -hmm. So, Doc, what's, anybody remember the doctor's name? I don't need Okay. Yeah, I loved him. Great, great old curmudgeon of a dude. But he's always the bearer of bad news. He always discusses the things that are going to happen. Harbinger of doom, let's put it that way. He talks about the need to deal with the psychological issues because people were going to start running out of their antipsychotic meds. 
Who's read 299 days? Anybody? I got, I got through four. Did you get as far as when they had to, they, they, they started a little, I hate to call it an insane asylum, but for lack of a better term, they, they had one. Yeah. No. So same, same type of thing. Is that a realistic thing, uh, John? Uh, that's such a hard thing because that that's devoting a lot of resources to individuals that are not producing anything. And then when you're talking about a situation, you know, grid down or, you know, apocalypse type situation, post-apocalyptic type situation, that that is not something that you can do a lot of. <laughs> because you're, like you said, you're using resources, right? Well, because all of your resources need to go to the people who are contributing in some way to the good of everybody. And so it's kind of like the old people that, that, you know, you're talking about they stopped eating because they knew they, you know, that they had to for the good of everybody else. And it's cold hearted. It really is to think about just um eliminating those drags on the resources because it's it's people that people in your community care about obviously um but man i just i, I i'm just cold-hearted because that's where my brain goes is okay we just we have to do away with them because we can't afford to have them around i understand i i think they mentioned was it in here where they mentioned basically they were, weren't they putting them in with the the Alzheimer's people or the like basically they just locked them up and they had somebody on each door? Is that the idea? Talking about on two hundred ninety nine days? No, no, in this one. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I, it sucks. I, I mean, I don't think I'm going to be the guy that's going to go out and you know put down people with psychological issues, but. Like you said, where do you draw the line when it comes to dealing with them, right? So, um, so next, well, look, uh, Carol, the public relations lady for the tobacco company. What do you think of her, Nate? Do you remember her? You have no use for a public relations person. No, not less None. than no use, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's all right. So you don't need to be hiding somebody to, you know, come up with propaganda or how to better sell the world going south. Everybody knows that it's going to hell in a handbasket in a matter of time. Right. So it's, you know, keep on moving. We're not going to take somebody like that. We want somebody who does medical or a mechanic or a welder or something like that. What do you think of her, Rachel? Uh, that's something that's come up quite a bit on so many of the different people's podcasts about all of the useless professions out there. Mm -hmm. If everything went to, okay, I understand the world that we live in now. IT is very important. Sure. In a case like this where everything went to shit, what skills does that person have that is actually going to feed him or you know, the family or be able to contribute to a community? It's just, there's so many things out there, you know, 
uh, unless they're unless they're just going to try to use them for a strong back for labor and if they're somebody that spent their entire life in a cubicle, you don't even have that. That's what it comes down to, I think, is that exact thing is a lot of people who, and, and this is going to be hard on everyone. I'm not saying it wouldn't be if this something like this ever happened, but you have all these people that have basically just spent most of their life doing kind of white collar work. And the only thing that they can do at that point is the exact opposite of that, you know, basically grunt work all day kind of work and it might kill them the yeah the only oh yeah go ahead nate the only it person you're gonna need in a grid down (laughs) situation is an electrical engineer i thought you were gonna say a ham radio guy no no i mean you well all right so an, an electrical engineer can look at schematics and build stuff or right. look at schematics and figure out how to bypass stuff so it'll work and not get hurt doing it. Because that's the, the... The whole not getting infection to thing is probably important. Yeah, absolutely. Which uh, book, Was it in the Going Home book series that, I don't know, maybe it wasn't. Anyway, somebody, somebody cut into or touched some of those big... Man, I don't know the electrical term for it, but the, the capacitors or whatever that held the electricity and it killed them. It was in one of these book series. It might have been, ah, shit. You know what it might have been, Nate? It might have been the one you sent me the with the teenager that survives the zombie apocalypse. What was that book? Yeah, uh, zombie rules. Zombie rules. I think it was in that where somebody was trying, they thought they'd get the copper or the oil or something out of those big, and they held a charge for like an infinite amount of time, basically. Yeah. And it fried him. It was in one of those books, but probably. I mean, it's I, I don't remember it offhand, but yeah, it makes sense. So this is kind of what I wanted to get at, though, Chris. Like Chris says here, the marketing woman made him sad because she was so desperate, she was willing to sell herself for food, and and then she makes the converse the the comment on the fact that she did it, and she didn't even feel bad about it, right? Because she she was just trying to survive too. I don't know. It's tough. I it. It kind of broke my heart, too, because you, as you're watching the story, you see this woman go from strong, whatever you want to, you know, business lady persona to absolutely broken. And I think it's John that says she probably won't be alive for another week. Yeah. Yeah. So at this point, the refugees are talking about the posse. So that's kind of, I think it's the first specific time we hear it called by that name. And that's the end of chapter eight. We go into chapter nine and we're at day 63. So what's 63 is uh, seven weeks in now. And this is where John wakes up to a bump in the night. Anybody want to talk about this scene? Nate, that's where he wakes up and hears someone in the home. Yeah, I don't remember exactly what it was. That's okay. I'll I'll break it down a little for everybody. But (laughs) John wakes up. What was cool was he had a plan for his kids and for uh, Jen. There was two, I believe it was two bad guys broke into the house. Try, It didn't, I guess it implied it was posse, but I don't know if it was because it had happened the week before to the neighbors. And John has his shotgun. The kids know to hide behind the waterbed. Oh, yeah. And in my head, I'm thinking, who the hell yeah. still has the waterbed? But then I have to remember the book was written in like 2008. So maybe <laughs> somebody still had a waterbed then, but... Does anyone on here know someone who has a waterbed? 
Well, I don't now. Actually, I just don't have it in storage somewhere, but yeah. Okay. Do you I have a warhead? Up. I did growing up, yeah. My cousin had one, but I mean, I haven't seen one since the mid-90s, maybe? I don't yeah, know. They're expensive. And they went the way of the BCR repair shop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they used to say they would cause bladder infection. I don't know. What's that, Rach? I cannot tell a lie. I have had one within the last decade. That, there, you, <laughs> there you go. That's all right. We I used to refer to that as my heat rock. What's that, Rach? I used to refer to that as my heat rock. Oh, yeah. And what did you when say, you Nate, about kids? We, we we have cats. We can't oh, keep waterbeds. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> it's literally waterbed. <laughs> so we are, okay, yep, chapter 9, day 63. One of, So we have to talk about it, of course. Oh, who, oh we lost, yep. Um, the, the dog, um, yeah. basically, yeah, that sucks. Every time. Yeah. Kids and dogs, man. Yep. So they gave the dog to the neighbors. What's anybody think about that? That's a tough thing to talk about. I, Go ahead, Nate. Yeah, Sorry. I mean, it's it, it made sense. Um, at the time, you want to make sure somebody can eat, and why not make it, let it go, you know, why let it go to waste? Yeah. And it, he took a chance to help out a neighbor. Sure. Because I remember being in there, if a pet dies, hand it over to the village so the village can eat it. Yeah, right. Yeah, then they yeah, wrapped it It was kind of funny when Jen's like, damn it, John, you're always you're a slave to the rules. She's like, give him the dog and be done with it, right? And yep, yep. Yeah. It was, and there was a, a quick little jump scare in that scenario as well, because it turned out the neighbor had come up the hill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I was like, oh, because, of course, yeah, I thought the same thing. Oh, it's somebody going to shoot him or try to shoot him or whatever. But that that neighbor is still a part of the story in book three. I remember, I don't know, for anybody who's read it, he's still kicking around. So it's kind of cool. They take quite the journey together, the the, the lot of them. So, Uh, Hamid, another great. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. uh, He rigged up. You want to say, go ahead, Byron. Yeah, I mean, he was handy. I mean, he traded. He did what he could. He he listened to the colonel. You know, yep. traded. You know, kept what he needed to keep and traded around for generators and you know, he kept it. He kept him a business running. He's the type of dude that would survive and maybe even thrive in in a post apocalyptic situation yeah. because what people would already be coming to him, and he knew he knew how to get shit done. You know, he, he rigged up a generator to get the, the gas out to run the generator, had a cooler so he'd have cool, you know, cool drinks yeah. and ice. And it, it was neat. I, I liked that a lot. Uh, at this point, we deal with the war, or not the war, sorry, the preparations for the upcoming war, where they show, they have some long discussions about the makeshift armor, the makeshift weapons, and how all of a sudden all these banned guns that the ATF would have had a problem with just kind of yeah. show up. <laughs> I love my American friends. My God, yes. It's the South. They exist. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> They're everywhere. Yeah. Registered or not. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's, like, it's like the kudzu. It just goes everywhere. It just, yeah. it just exists, right? You know? It's like liberals in Canada. I mean, oh, sorry. Anyway, let's move along. So homemade explosives and wep- uh, homemade explosives are pretty cool, too. Yeah, I have the... Military guy, improvised munitions. So, 
Yes. The old, but one is banned now. I saw the paper. I got the paperback version of it. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Um, I don't think you can lose fingers and stuff, so I, I kind of just read it. So. <laughs> when I was a kid, of course, I was back in the '90s. I don't even remember where I got a hold of it, but I got a copy of the Anarchist Cookbook off of some shady as hell website. I don't know. <laughs> I never built any of it, but I always thought the uh, it was you needed like 500 strike anywhere matches. You cut the heads off of every one of them. <laughs> Maybe I better stop. I just thought of that. I'm like, anyway, you didn't want the tennis ball duct tape and matches. So, yeah, I never tried it. I always thought it'd be interesting, but yes. Can you guys still get strike anywhere matches in the U.S.? Yeah. Yeah, okay. but they're not as good as they used to be. I, yeah, we got Redbirds up here, and they're still okay, but they're getting harder to come by. They won't ship them in the mail anymore. You got to buy them at stores. Yeah, most of these have all gone on the green tip. The yeah, what, or wherever the hell it is. That's what I yeah. Because I looked on Amazon.com, I wanted to recommend some Strike Anywheres, and you couldn't find them. Uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's getting harder to come by, of course, because somebody somewhere did something stupid. I'm sure. <laughs> and Martinson family said they had a waterbed until 1995. So. That, yeah, that's about right. That's when I seen most of them go. How about Beth and Ben, you know, being in the family way? Anybody yeah, it's wanna... inevitable. It, I know. Oh, yeah. Teenagers. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, not just teenagers. They Michaela went through and explained it. And her explanation yeah. of the whole thing was spot on. I mean, that's just look at what happened during COVID. How many right. babies were born during COVID? How many people were locked down in their house during COVID? That's it's, it's, yeah. We don't know what to do. Let's have sex and make babies. Yeah. yeah. She said There's something like, along the lines of she almost thought it was in the genetic code or some sort of like latent. I forget how she explained it. But in my brain, I interpreted like some sort of Darwinian thing that when the species is threatened, it automatically procreates, right? Yeah. The kind right. of per- What's that, Rach? Perfect. Perfect. Oh, sorry. Nope. Go ahead, Rach. I'll get you. I was going to say it kind of is in, in the code because anytime a species is actually endangered is when the fertility rates have the tendency to go up and there's more activity going on. Uh, one, of, one of the human examples that's used is look at a country where food is not secure. You not only have a lot more crime and a lot more violence going on, but you also have a much higher birth rate. That's fair. And and also a higher death rate too, right? For infant mortality rate, but it happens. Yeah. It's great stress reliever. Yeah. Were you going to say, Nate? So I, I was going to put it in terms of rabbits. Um, sure. Since that's, that, that's what I know. Um we have a few fat rabbits here. I mean, there there's a couple that are overfed, and they don't produce nearly as good a litters. Okay. Now, the skinny rabbits that I pay attention to how much I feed them, and I cut back on their feed right before I go to breed them, always give bigger litters. Huh. Did you, did you know this, or was this through experimentation? I, I kind of heard it from somebody, and... Nicole Sauce from Living Free in T- Tennessee mentioned it that she had some overweight rabbits and they just weren't producing for her. So she reset her rabbitry and now 
pays attention to how much she feeds them and is now getting more rabbits. Isn't that interesting? And it make it makes total sense. Yeah, because they're stressed out and they want to produce. Cabot says plants under stress will go to seed. Same kind of thing. That's a really good point. And Chris says the rich get richer and the poor get children. <laughs> oh, that's funny on a, on a whole lot of levels. So, all right. So that uh, chapter 10 ends with evacuating the home on very short notice. Chapter 9, sorry, I said chapter 10. Chapter 9, probably, it seems like it is the longest stretch of time, but it's about a 12-hour window. Right. Starts with the attack in the, uh, in the morning, goes all around ends up out to oversee all of the soldiers and ends up coming back the bodies are still laying on the ground which is a sign that things have totally collapsed of course at 63 days they're not picking up bodies very much anymore and they have to evacuate basically knowing that the home that he built or lived in is going to be burnt to the ground chapter 10 opens back up on the exact same day apparently 63 which is interesting and they discuss the battle. Or, or maybe it's the very next day. You could probably say day 64. I really like how Fortune talks about the battle in the past tense. I think it's it's really cool. Um, how do I want to put it? Like, it's already happened. And it's a foregone conclusion. In some ways, it takes some of the suspense out of it. But it, I enjoyed it. I didn't need 12 chapters discussing the intricacies of the battle. I was really happy with this one chapter that said, hey, here's the final battle. And then he kind of gives a, I don't know, an hour or so description of how everything went down. Yeah. And they also had one piece of equipment that helped them out immensely. And that was the plane. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. That, yeah. Because the streamers too, right? Remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd forgot that was in this book. Yeah. Yeah, you I, you had the guy up there flying the plane, and unfortunately he was a casualty of the of the battle. You know, it ended up taking shots and crashing, but at one point was dropping satchel charges out of the plane. Yeah. Right, the charges too. I forgot about that. So yeah. how how important do you think that one extra piece of technology or that one extra aspect to their fight was for them? You have an you have a bird's eye view of your. Uh, enemy's movements i mean that's going to immensely help what you're doing i i would would imagine a ton of people in history would would have loved to have have that oh yeah that's almost a game changer really for yeah just just a tactical advantage in itself yeah i never i mean i thought about it but i didn't think i didn't spend a lot of time considering how much that bird's eye view helped i mean i knew it gave them that quick you know, we give them a couple hours notice. Hey, here they're coming. This is where they're coming from. But you're right. That was a, that probably was a game changer. Because it's not like they could just resources in the long run, really, by not keeping, they'd have to keep their guard on the road as long, not as many guards. That's mm-hmm. true. And they wouldn't have to guard places where there weren't people coming. So you'd have a lot, lot quicker, a lot more effective allocation of resources as well. Like he said, they couldn't come through the the four the fire road because he said it was, and he couldn't see them because it was so thick. But he said people would get lost in there anyway. Right. I really liked the discussion between John and Washington. I loved the 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 time spent in that, 
basically where they were talking about what, how, how did it go? Washington's idea was a quick and decisive uh, victory, but not a total victory that would save casualties. Yeah. But it could be a long, drawn-out affair. Whereas John said his choice or option would be three times the casualties, but it would kill them all. You want to balance that out, Nate? What do you think? Did they make the right choice? I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they, they inevitably made the right choice. Um, you don't want to kill off a ton of your force. Because you don't know what's coming in a month or two, and that's that's reality. Um, if I remember, they went with Washington's. No, plan. they didn't. They went with oh, John's oh. plan. Yeah. Oh, okay. They, they chose to kill, to have three times the casualties, but okay, there wouldn't be a long protracted war of attrition after yeah. the fact. Yeah. Okay. So it, it's. Sorry, in, I didn't. Yeah. I. It, it was like a month ago I read the book, so. <laughs> um, but, yeah, all right, so with that, I mean, that either way it makes sense. You can make a case either way. Um, it's not long and drawn, and you don't have to deal with it for weeks, but you're going to lose some people. It sucks. And there were a lot of people they lost, you know, that kind of meant something. They lost the guy with the plane. They lost the plane. They lost Ben. They lost Washington. So, I mean, that's – it's a lot of stuff. It yeah. was tough. I Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they spent quite a bit of time – well, after – I just want to – okay. Yeah, so they did that. And then the triage where Michaela went around and wrote numbers on people's foreheads. Mm-hmm. Anybody remember Pearl Harbor, the movie? Yeah. yeah. Using that, the lips to – Yeah. I. It sucks. <laughs> That, it's, of, and yeah. that that triage is in just about any book you'll ever read. Sure, it, it's because it needs to happen. It's a yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Byron. Well, you, you just learn that as, as an instant commander. You know, get the triage and figure out who needs what. Don't waste your resources on somebody that might not make it a couple hours. Or yep. I mean, same way. I like the battle the, the same way. They might not have lost as many, but their resources would have been probably so diminished that if a second wave of the posse or even another group came through, they probably couldn't handle them to defend themselves. If they'd used, you know, all their ammo up and backup supplies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, and as the doctor, something I'd forgotten till now, the doctor had mentioned, I think before the battle that there would be a, you know, probably an outbreak and there'd be infections. Mm-hmm. They'd be fighting another battle after the war. Right. So if you've got a force that's that depleted and injured and sick and malnourished, yeah, I, they probably made the right decision, didn't they? It sucks, but they probably did. I always thought that it was the right decision because they got to pick the time, the place, all the details of the battle, as opposed to they leave some of them around and then they get to pull the, the guerrilla warfare of hitting them spontaneously and, you know, who knows what damage they can do and what they were able to drum up in the meantime. Rachel reading the Art of War again. Look at her. That was good. <laughs> uh, let me see. Um, yes. Very graphic depiction of an amputation without proper sedatives, hey? Civil War. I was thinking some of the stories I heard about the Civil War with, did they... It, didn't they, they use a saw or razor wire or what did they use in 
back in the day? Anybody I think know? it was a I think it was a saw. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I know. Man, I couldn't even. I anybody ever been to the dentist? I don't. I got this great big friggin' thick jaw on the bottom, and it doesn't freeze great. You know, so you, you don't really feel the pain a whole lot, but you can kind of feel a lot of the grinding and the vibrating. And oh, it's the worst. Yeah, it sucks. And I was thinking that poor girl, how much worse? Like it just would have. Oh. Oh yeah. Here's some whiskey. Chew on this, and yeah. there we go. Yep. That's about <laughs> all you can do, right? Those. I remember when I was, I don't know, it was probably grade one or grade two. And I went, had to go to the doctor to get a shot. And the doctor said, just bite the bullet. And I'd never heard that before. And I asked him what he meant and he explained it to me. Then I went the next day to the teacher and told her that he told me to bite the bullet. And she thought he meant that I bit on a real bullet. And I had to explain it to her. I was like, oh, you're dumb. (laughs) (laughs) So Joe says, um, apparently we're telling him that he needs an airplane. I'm not saying you do or you don't, but I am saying it could be a tactical advantage. Let's put it that yeah. way. Yeah, you're close to idiots. You can take us for rides, too. So Yes. <laughs> Last trip we took to the States, we came through Helena. We came through both times, and we went by a little airport, and I said to Becky, I said, I should really look into getting my pilot's license. Uh, I, I looked into it for about 10 minutes, and I'm like, nah, I'm not spending that kind of money. Not yeah. for... You know, even a plane I could ever afford, but I think it had like a 200-mile range maybe. And I'm like, how many? Yeah, anyway, just it, it was funny. It was a cool little exercise for 10 minutes. <laughs> um, okay, then we, yeah, I, let's talk about the executions and the main posse leader. Anybody? Byron, you want to talk about that a little bit? I think I, I'm, that's a good way. That's just a crime deterrent, the future crime deterrent, I mean. Hang him up, let him just like John Willis always says, you'll put their heads on pikes. Not wrong. I mean, that happens in a lot of books. That's just mm-hmm. the way to do it. I mean, I think because even if there was a parlor posse, like they left the second group behind or something, they come in, they see their actual leader is hanging there, they're not going to screw with them now. At least a smart person would be. Yeah. Anybody read World Made by Hand? Have you read that one, Nate? I think I did. Uh, World Book Series. Carrie Brown recommended it to me. I've read it twice now. It's so good. No, I think it's on my list, but I haven't done it yet then. One of the best. It's really good. It takes place after peak oil and everything. They run out of resources. And so, anyway, there's a guy that is, he's a local farm owner. And these guys break into his house in the middle of the night. And he he strings up their bodies and leaves them there. His wife's like, take them down. He's like, nope. (laughs) Yeah. I got to say, I chuckled a bit. Well, a couple things. Number one, it was kind of cool that the bad guy leader, whatever the cult dude was, had an understanding of war. What do they call that? Like tactics and that sort of thing? Yeah. But he basically said, it it implied that he learned most of it from movies, didn't it? Or documentaries? Yeah, documented his way. Yeah. So I had to chuckle when, when John's like, uh, what, what, when he when he decided to hang him instead of shoot him, because the guy yeah. he all of a sudden went from this big tough old friggin' you know cult leader to a bit of a sniveling little kid, which I'm not going to say I would face it well either, but it made me laugh a little bit. Um, what about uh, Rachel? When they talk about overreacting or at the point where they start enjoying the executions, do you remember that? 
Yeah, well that wasn't that the point where they just decided to call it off? And exactly. uh, did they did they just like exile them or I don't remember. They let I think it was the last four or five of them they let them go because it got to the point where they were just, you know, Nazi style executing them and then pushing yeah. them off the bank, right? And yeah. the, the bloodlust was kicking in. Right. Because that's tough. Where do you because sure, they have the right to bloodlust. You know, they have the right to execute their, you know, their war criminals. But who? You know, sounds like they marked them with something. Well, okay. And, and I had to reread it. And I'm like, I read that too. But and it they never made never, sense. Didn't it seem like something was missing there, Byron? Yeah, I thought maybe I got a PDF version of it. I thought, well, maybe it's just one of those. It could have just been a, you know. So uh, it reminds me or something, but you it continued on. So okay, do you remember anybody see the movie Inglorious Bastards? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, oh, Brad Pitt. That movie. You know, oh, kill, you kill me some Nazis. Swastika onto Hitler's forehead. Yes, that, or wasn't yeah. Hitler, but it was. Oh, Hitler. Yeah, it was uh, yeah. one of the generals or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, He's like ah, uh, they ain't gonna kill me for this. I'll get a chewing. I, I've I've been given a chewing before. He carves the swastika, swastika, yeah. and the guy, which I thought was a really cool nod to the fact of uh, it was kind of going against Operation Paperclip, you know, bringing all the Nazis in because, yeah. you know. Anyway, yeah. So to go back to that, it was the mark of Cain, is what he mentioned. He said, yeah. You always have the mark of Cain on you, which is a biblical reference, you know, kind of talks about Cain killing Abel. Yeah. And whatever it is in the Old Testament, he gets marked with for the rest of his days. But they mentioned that. And I don't know, maybe maybe Bill won't even remember if I ask him, but it'd be because it's definitely not said that they mark them. I couldn't find it anywhere. No, it says you'll carry the mark of Cain with you wherever you go. But then it doesn't explain what the mark of Cain is. Any theories, guys? Maybe you just forgot to spell it out. That's what I was wondering. Or Maybe it was just a reference to the psychological scarring that they would have. I don't know, but it Could was, be. yeah, yeah, it was interesting. I, yeah, kind of yeah, cool. Oh. Was the market pain referring to being cursed for your actions? Yes, that's when I was just doing the googlings. <laughs> Is that what you found? Yes. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I you know, obviously, I grew up, you know, in a Bible home and four years in university about, you know, and so we, you know, I, I heard the story of it a long time and yeah, I, I think it was just kind of the curse of knowing you killed your brother and having to base, I mean, depending on who you talk to, whether you call it a metaphor or um, a parable or whatever, it was the idea of carrying that grief or that psychological yeah, strife the, with you for the rest of your life. Your baggage. Yeah. Find anything for us, Byron? Oh, there's one of them said there's three or four. I want you to get the scroll. I'm like, is that he would be under nothing would uh, profit or be fruitful for him for him once he was banned. I think the idea was that no matter what he tried to grow. Yeah. The idea was apparently before that was that gardening would be easy. You know, basically mm-hmm. humans could always walk around and eat whatever they wanted. Yeah. And after that, in order to eat, they'd have to work hard. Yep. And I thought it was kind of cool. I don't know if Nate's smiling about this, but if you go to Ayn Rand's philosophy, are you thinking of this, Nate, or not? Go ahead, Nate, go ahead. Okay. I, 
Okay, I really appreciated Ayn Rand because she flipped that right on its fucking head because her philosophy was that the most important thing to a human is the toil and the work and the fruits of their labor because of the work. And she looked at that curse as a blessing and as the only purpose of humanity. I can't believe I got all that out without um, slipping over it, but it was, it was really cool. I really, that really blew my mind when I heard that. And I'm glad you were going there too, Nate. That made me happy. So, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So, wow. We can't, can't go an episode by without, we really need to get Ayn Rand into the, the uh, rotation here before too long. So it's, it's, gonna be a trip <laughs> it will i'm really looking forward to it she, and i'm like i'm i don't think i can reread it or listen to it this time so i don't know two, yet two times. i tried to pick it back up and it's just what i think aaron is six chapters in right now wow should we do you want to do you want to let should we let a little bit of the cat out of the bag right now nate or should we let wait till the end of the episode what we're gonna what we've been talking about we can we can let the cat out of the bag all right so nate and i have been you know, playing a little, what do they call that? But I don't know. Anyway, there's a name for it. But we came up, I think we're going to start first of next year, right? January 1st, I think. Yeah. Uh, or do we, we think fall? What did we say? Maybe when I, I think came fall. I think we're going to do it going into the fall. And we're going to split it up into, I think, 10 episodes? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be three, three chapters each. And it's going right. to be a joint challenge between the workshop and Two Chicks Homestead. Mm-hmm. And it's going, what are we going to call it? I don't know if we even have a name yet. Do we, Nate? I don't know either, but there's going to be something good at the end. There's going to be a piece of swag. We won't, you know, there'll be something. There, there's going to be a legit prize or a legit badge of honor of some sort that everybody who completes the book will the earn. Shrugging. What's that? The great shrugging or something. I don't know. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, I don't know. in case anybody wonders... If you remember in elementary school when you read when you used to read so many books and you yeah, get a personal pan pizza from Pizza Hut. <laughs> yeah, so that's what we're gonna do because so many people have talked about Atlas Shrugged and how we need to read it. And I thought, what better way to do it than to, for all of us to do it as a challenge? Nick, sorry, not just me. Nate and I thought. Yeah, I'll, I'll do it for that. I knew you would see. There you go. That, no, that's. I mean, I, I, and, I mean, and I'll, I'll put it out here, Tim. Yep. I'll one hundred. I'll one hundred percent sponsor that. Right, well, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll make it work, man. That's fucking awesome. That's great. I'm excited because, yeah. Anyway, it's going to be cool. Nate and I haven't worked out all the ins and the outs, but we have enough of it worked out that it's, it's coming. If I can get so. it transferred off my iPad. I'll send it. Uh, I got a PDF version of it. Okay. If anybody wants to actually, that's all. I'll, re- I'll just read it because I don't. I'll I have a lot. Clan- of time. I was clandestinely handed. A USB full of gigs and gigs and gigs of prepper and survival books and things at this event I was at and told nice. to distribute it. So, yeah, anyway, it'll be an in person only distribution. But, yeah, I've got uh, I, what's that? I've got some PDFs and stuff I need to have a screen uh, to share in the group. I'll make a Dropbox or something. Yeah, it's a good thing to do. We, we won't speak too much about it publicly, but uh, yeah, no, it's cool. Anyway, I just did, so whatever. All right. Yeah. So, oh, got- Foxfires. And- oh, I love Foxfire. First book of them. I've, if nobody's ever read the Foxfire series, back when I first got into homebrewing, I found the Foxfire book of 
was it homemade wine or something like that it was that's what introduced me to the foxfire series so if you haven't seen it it's like uh basically a whole bunch of appalachia what, what would you call it um backwoods like, living yeah there thank you yes that's it yeah really that was like the the backwoods magazine was it the you know in the day you know the time before we had actual magazines i guess you'd say yes I, yeah absolutely all somebody somebody wanted to preserve all the heritage of the old ways of doing it while we're talking about this i don't know what made me remind me of this but i i interviewed paul wheaton on sunday monday whatever it was just a short one we only got about 25 minutes in because where we were getting interviewed there was a presentation coming but one little spoiler in it if I don't, did anybody know he used to be big into uh, like the early internet so he, he, yeah. Would, he yeah he designed software and things that what's that he, he always has to talk, yeah he always has to brag about uh being the developer of uh banana Com. yeah it's a pretty cool story so anyway i, I don't, i'm not going to give away any more than that. i'm sure lots of people have heard it but it was neat I, he talked about it a bit in the interview so okay next the phone call i hate the phone call i hate everything yeah. about the phone call i, I yeah. it makes me so uncomfortable i i don't know it yeah Good night, Chris. Time to hit the sack for Mr. I'm going to mispronounce divide out. We'll, we'll see. I'll just roll it off my tongue. And there you go. So have a good night, Chris. It's almost like, you know, what the, the answer to the phone call is going to be. So, I mean, we've already spoiled this entire book. So if you're still listening at this point and you haven't read the book, not much. Sorry. I can do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about the phone call, Nate? I hated it too. I mean, it's like me as a parent, I get it, but you didn't, it, it didn't need to be in the book. I think you're right. Maybe that's what it was. I mean, that's anybody who has a kid is going to do what they can short of begging like that. Like right. I, I don't see myself begging like that we're going to try and make something work but i'm not going to go begging for that it, you know f from another just, city because it's not gonna it's you can't it's too far away to get the stuff to you and right the situation that she was in the daughter it's not going to get any better yeah that and was the, just and yeah. and the fact that she was around for Call it 70 days. 131 days. 131 days. So what is that? That is four and a half months. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that she survived that long with what they had, good on her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I get it. I, I do. I mean, we, you know, I've got five kids of my own and I would probably do what I could there's just something about it. I just don't like that phone call. And I, it, part of it is it's uncomfortable to listen to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Go ahead, Byron. It almost be different if the phone call was begging and pleading for food for the whole town or, you know, cause Hey, we just lost yeah. 50, you know, we lost 50 kids and now we, and we lost a hundred adults and we've lost, you know, this, we need help now, you know, that. Yeah. It's so not just one person. Chapter 11 and chapter 12 were both really short chapters. Yeah. They were about half the length of the other chapters. So I, I don't know if it was maybe 
like uh like stretch it out a little bit i don't i don't know it doesn't matter anyway i just they're almost like second thoughts or yeah there's just something in the middle of the night when he woke up and wrote it down on his you know notepad and said okay i'll put it in the book with and that was (laughs) if there was one thing in the entire 12 chapter book that i would take out it would be that phone call maybe that's a reflection of me i would love to hear from other people extended it it just showed desperation that it didn't need to be in there. I mean, just for. I think so. For somebody who was as strong as he was. Yeah, to me, that's all desperation he's showing in person. If you know that, you know, try to strong arm somebody into it while you're. You could have spent more time with Rab's The Rabbit Story. You know, he could have. Honestly, yeah. that would have probably yeah. affected me more if they'd have went back and spent almost the whole chapter of John sitting there dealing. Ah, geez. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, you guys know what I'm saying. It's yeah, yeah. needed some filler. I mean, you could add a little more backstory to Washington, or or even have the was it Don the pilot do so, uh, you know do something I, you know do talk about his instead of just killing him off so quick in the battle, maybe wound him or you know the you know let him like tell his side what he's seen in the air before you know. I think. And maybe this was just from the maybe okay. Maybe the phone call. Okay, I've read the book three, I think three or four times now. And so maybe the phone call just bugs me now because I knew the ending before it happened. Whereas maybe if you're reading the book for the first time, it was a way to hold that hope out for the reader just a little bit longer. Because when mm-hmm. you don't know the ending, it is gonna stretch that out a little bit. Yeah. Because yeah. Nobody thinks that he's going to kill a like a twelve year old or thirteen year old diabetic girl. You know, you just you don't think that's going to happen. He doesn't just do that, but I mean, both the family dogs they both get eaten. I mean, holy shit, this is a dark book. But yet, it's I warned everybody this is a dark book. (laughs) You did, and and that's fair. But it's a realistic book, and let's yeah, go ahead, Byron. I mean, it's dark, but it's also that's the truth. It's real world. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's all it's not all rainbows and unicorns and you know. Oh poor know your Joe said he joined late. Uh, we're we're doing uh we, we decided to do a second a second week or a second episode on one second after. We did there was so much to cover, and I don't think we've really overlapped a whole lot from the previous uh, our previous yeah. episode anyway. So but um yeah, so there's a big jump from here. Um we we talked about it, but Rab's the rabbit, Jennifer passes. Um you know, he buries her in the garden. Uh, Ginger, the dog, was the sacrifice. Yeah. That was a pretty poignant... That sucked a lot. But I appreciated it. The fact that poor Ginger, you know, had to go away in order to probably allow little Ben to survive. Yeah. I thought that was a pretty yeah. cool... You know, again, one of the a good things... good way to write the, write the dog out. I mean, not just... Yeah. <laughs> and... Again, I I gotta say, I think Fortune is probably the best writer in prepper porn, modern prepper porn sphere, you know, because he um, he set that up a long time ago. He set that up in chapter six when they're discussing the dogs at the city council and mm-hmm. he basically lose it, you know. So yeah, it was yeah. absolutely. Oh, <laughs> no, your Joe said we thought we were talking about a book called The Phone Call. <laughs> oh, I can see that. I, yeah, yeah. Funny how you can come in or out like that. But 
All right, so let's sum up uh, chapter 12. There, there wasn't much in that, and it's short. But so day 365, one year later, of course, Little Ben's alive, which is cool. Mm -hmm. The column of military shows up. They bring rations, vitamins, and a loudspeaker. <laughs> they, they made a, a comment about how nobody had heard amplified sound like that in a long time. Yeah. Um, didn't bring great news. You know, they brought their boys back from Asia. There's pirates off the coast. Most of what Voices of America said was total shit and propaganda. Probably 10% of the population survived. And Mexico and China and all their altruistic goodness moved into the continent to take care of you Americans. Yeah, Texas and California is full of Mexicans and Chinas. And what do you say? Only about 25,000 people were left in New York. Could you imagine? Was that 1% of 1%? So you yeah, say I mean, 20 million. That's, that's where I live now. So, I mean, that many people, I'm like, wow, that would be crazy. Man, I I love the old um, The Stand movie, uh, the Stand miniseries from 94. There's some really cool scenes in there where there's like five people in the entire city. I mean, there's probably more, but they've got, you know, shots of the last five or six survivors yeah. in the entire city. Uh, the link, I think it's a Lincoln Tunnel maybe or whatever tunnel it is just completely clogged with car corpses and cars. Yeah, anyway, so so the military, you know, everybody thinks everything's so great at the end here. Um, what do we want to sum it up as? L let's talk about propaganda a little bit. Did Voice of America do the right thing, Byron, by, you know, filling people full of shit and giving them false hope? Yeah, you always have to give some people false hope just to keep them... It might the might be the only thing keeping a lot of people from taking their own life, you know, just to keep that mental oh, there could be help coming or you know. I suppose when you say that, because what good would it be to broadcast bad news, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, because some people are not even going to listen to it; they're not going to care what, no matter what's broadcasted. But some people that are so, especially, I mean, I don't know at that time the internet wasn't as big, but you get somebody that's so used to you know being on the internet, talking to their friends, you know, seeing all the 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 stupid TikToks and you know, they want the happy stuff. They, they want the rainbows and unicorns all day. They don't believe in there's nothing else out there. But What do you think, Nate? 30 million people still alive. So at that point, you know, that you might as well say 90% of the population of the continental United States died in one year. Yeah. Accurate or not? It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, it's city dwellers aren't going to do as good. They're right. not going to have the skills. And honestly, a lot of people just might not have the skills and might not be able to make it. And then yeah. you have all the fighting and, you know, it's it's going to get it would get ugly. I, I would say 30 million is a lot higher than I would think. You know, I'd go maybe a million, maybe two million. You think that would yeah. be all that would be left? Yeah. Because people so, are going to want to spread out. I want to see if we can find this here. 80% of all Americans live in cities. Mm -hmm. So if you, so all that would take is for basically the cities to die. I know that yeah. sounds awful. But if, if the cities died and only half of the rural people died, there's your 90% right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if, if there was a 50% survival rate in the rural and 100% fatality in all the major cities, which isn't that far off. I mean, you might get 
one percent or something. But yeah, that makes that makes sense actually. How long but, would it be before people in the cities just started choking on their own sewage? Right. And sanitation yeah. issues. Yep. Well, somebody said, uh, I think, um, oh, shoot. I, I don't know if it's in Don Stevens' book uh, about uh, retreating or if it's uh, Mel Tappan's, Mel Tappan on survival. But one of them said that a bug out location is no good whatsoever if it's less than a full tank of gas from a city. I thought, huh. Isn't that an interesting concept, right? And uh, Know Your Joe said, uh, is this more of a novel? I've heard of the book, but thought it was more of an instruction type of book or manual. The cool thing about this book is that it was based on a congressional report, right, Nate? Yeah. Kinda? Yeah, yep. it was inspired by a congressional re re report on the fact that the U.S. and by proxy Canada, I'm sure, <laughs> is yeah. not ready for any sort of EMP strike. And so I guess when uh, Mr. Fortune there was on the episode, you know, he talked about what would be the most effective way to educate people. And when it came down to it, he thought it was through fiction. So this is a total fiction. You know, it's it's 100% novel. And it, yeah, I think it's pretty damn effective. I, I would say this is the novel and going home is more of the manual. Sure, yeah. Yep, I can see that. And going home is, uh, okay, here, let me do you one better. Let's put uh, one second after here. Let's put John Wesley Rawls Patriots here. And let's put going home in the middle. How's that sound? Does that yeah. work? Yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, Patriots is a manual. Oh, <laughs> going yeah. Home, going Patriots. home. Is, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Here. Go Patriots is just a shopping list. And, yeah. and it should have just been Amazon leaks if it was. <laughs> Speaking of which, they're in the it. book. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Ryan Buford, if you're listening to this, we were supposed to talk about an Amazon book at Thrivalist Fair, and we didn't. Instead, we hung around and uh, drank bourbon and had a great time looking toward the future. So that was cool. But. Moonbear yeah, said we've all convinced him to read it. What's that, Nate? So go, going home is more, it'll get you thinking about stuff instead of a shopping list. Like, you right. wouldn't think on how to, I'm going to go research how to make my own soap. Or I'm going to go Built on. research how to do a solar system. Or, hey, that's a good idea to have that old beater truck laying around. You know, it's, it's, it's more of a manual, but it's still... It's it's not the novel More realistic characters. right? It, it's definitely couched in fiction, right? Like it, it's yeah. a really good narrative that also talks a lot about the practical things, you know. Yeah, like you said, real world Yeah. Uh, every time Becky and I leave a hotel and we take all the little soaps and the coffee packets with us, I think of Danny and how they had coffee <laughs> for an extra month because he, after you know, he's like, oh my god, yeah, so. Becky said when we were in this last time, she goes, we need to get some special Rubbermaids to separate all the stuff at home because right now we just use freezer bags. But, you know, who knows? It's there. We take it and uh, well, yeah. stockpile it. Well, use it. It's, yeah. You paid for it. Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. We did. <laughs> we always have fun when we go and we go to, uh, like, the, you know, the supplied breakfasts and you find some different things like uh, – I don't know what honey or Nutella, the weird ones you don't always see. We're like, oh, let's yeah. grab a couple of them, to take home. 
Oh, yeah. I'm sure good. somebody's judging me immensely right now, but that's okay. <laughs> the hotel we stay at, we go to Pigeon Forge usually once a year. And they you know, always have the little peanut butter cups. I'm always like six or seven the time I come. I'm ready to go home. I'm I just, peanut butter and honey. I just had a couple of yogurts this morning that came home from the hotel. So there's that. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> Cabot said the first two or three going homes were a shopping list. Yes, there, it did get a little better. The first book especially had, like, when he's walking in the woods and things. Absolutely. Uh, know Your Joe says, the thing about cities, high-density populations, the presence of gangs. They have established hierarchy and violence is already in their playbook. I believe they will exhibit domination at least until they run out of supplies to raid, but I don't know. Please say the gas tank distance thing again. So I wish I could remember exactly who it was. I'm not sure if it was either of them, to be honest, but the idea was that a bug out location should always be more than a full tank of gas from any major population center. Anything more than 5,000 people, I guess, is what... I think this was um, Mel Tappan that said it. But the idea was most people aren't going to have a full tank of gas in a collapse because most people don't keep their gas tank full. But there's going to be 5% of the people who just happen to stop at the gas station five minutes before something bad happens. And everybody's going to want to leave the city. Now, people are going to eventually migrate on foot, but... The first few are going to be the lucky ones that have a full tank of gas. So if you end up having that kind of scenario and they want to get their family out of Dodge, they're going to want to, you know, they're going to hop in the truck or their car and they're going to drive as far as they can. So, you know, a fun uh, exercise I did a while ago was I looked at how could I drive from Canada down to our property in Tennessee while attempting to stay as far from any large urban area as possible. Hopefully I never need to do it, but it's a cool exercise to think about, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, you know, and it is possible, not, not a hundred percent, but about 99% possible, especially if you <laughs> stay over to the Dakota's ways, <laughs> there ain't nothing in there. But anyway, yeah, I always look, we go to Tennessee. I know the right, the way we can get back, you know, whether it's two lane roads or even, Go from a three-hour drive to a five-and-a-half, six-hour drive through the really. I'd rather have a six-hour drive and arrive alive than uh, yeah. take the interstate through Nashville. Mm -hmm. Well, guys, we did two hours. So we did a total of four-and-a-half hours on one second after. I think we did it justice. I'm glad we came back and revisited it because I think I would have I th I think I would have felt like we left a lot on the table for sure. Mm -hmm. Now, I think we already did our – oh, go ahead, Nate. I did. I dropped the photos of my ham radio setup in the uh, in the workshop chat on Telegram. Okay. Excellent. Anybody that has any questions, just feel free to hit me up, or um, you know, I'll answer what I can. So that's pretty expensive equipment to have as a new person. I will tell you that. <laughs> I did get my ham radio antenna, like you said, Nate. So that's my next this this winter. Cool. You're going to help me on FaceTime, and I'll, I'll pay you to help me. But we're gonna we're gonna get it set up, and we're gonna uh, yeah, at least so I can listen until I get my license, right? So cool, cool. And I'm gonna drop the Telegram link for those who are still around. If you're listening on the replay, uh, it's also in the description because if you're not part of the Telegram group, you're not hanging out with the cool kids. Uh, you need to come by and hang out with all us fellow delinquents. Yeah. 
Uh, Martinson says you need a big slip tank and some farmer friends along your route to refill with purple diesel or purple gas. Yes. I, um, I have enough fuel on hand that I could drive from here to Tennessee, I'm pretty sure, with the fuel I have, as long as I have a full tank. But I would love to have another 100-liter, 25-gallon slip tank. Yeah. That now, is that driving under normal circumstances? Right. That's the thing. Yes, it is. So that would be... Yeah. I mean, I would never want to count on the fact that I could get that full way, but right. you know, it would be a good start. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I don't really want to drive. Idle time would, might get you coming from. That's know, what I'm weird. concerned uh, about. Yeah. I don't know. Weird, you know. Hopefully your father never has to think about it, but it's a fun exercise. Yeah. You buy land in Tennessee. Of course, you're going to think about that stuff, right? Yep. I used to think about how I could get back to Nova Scotia if I ever needed to. Because, you know, we still had family, and at that time, we still had a house out there. Well, that's, fuck, that's almost twice as far as going to, maybe not twice, but pretty damn close to twice as far as going to Tennessee. So, five-day drive to Nova Scotia and a three-day drive to Tennessee. So, there's that. But any other thoughts, Byron? No. I'm, it was a good night. A good chat there, everybody. It's always a good chat. I love it. Um, oh, gas, Martinson, gas. Yeah. Someday it should be fuel or diesel. I would... Uh, yeah, I'd love to have one of those. So, uh, see, know your Joe says now. I see. I need an extended range bush plane. Sure. Hey, whatever you can get. <laughs> I did. I did talk to somebody a little while ago who said, um, if you can't figure, um, you know, if you can't afford a plane yourself, make friends with somebody with a plane. So, if you ever needed to exfiltrate quickly, there might be, you know, a couple hundred mile range could. Could, you know, with some money in your pocket, you could get quite a, you know what I mean? You could make something happen if you can read between the lines. There's Martin. Since there's a few drop tanks strategically placed. Yes, exactly. You know, a couple or of a be, Or a beater diesel that uh, doesn't have electronic equipment and a 100-gallon fuel tank in the back. Oh, yes. you know, the, yeah. You need know, uh, well, I had, I've had a, had a 88, 87, 7.3 diesel, I mean, non-turbo, I mean, and they got great knowledge. Something like that would be great. I I did have a hundred gallon slip tank here, but it didn't work for what I wanted, and it was taking up too much space. So off it went. But yeah, you're right. A hundred gallon tank would be awesome. Oh, that would be great. And it gets an extra be. someone to fab up another tank up under the truck. So yeah. Uh, here's the big. So we. This is my third Ram. And we went, so when I went from the six and a half foot box to the five and a half or five, eight box or whatever, it went from a hundred and 110 liter tank to an 80 liter tank. So I lost what, I don't know if my math's right, 25% or 20% capacity. That's a big difference that, that drove me, you know, so that's like, what is that? Uh, let me see, 20, 25 liters down to 20 liters or sorry, gallons. So that, you know, that. That's a bit of driving for sure. Well, I'm not saying it's legal, but you could take that 100-gallon fuel tank and out of the drain plug, um, make it gravity feed into your tank underneath the truck. Yes, Stephen Harris, you could do that. <laughs> I, remember, I remember him talking about that. He used, oh, man, anyway, he used to take them friggin' 15-gallon plastic drums and fill them full of fuel and drive with them. So, yeah, anyway interesting i love it but i think a lot so anyway last thoughts here but i uh was at harbor freight a couple days ago and i've been eyeing up those fold up trailers i oh 
I want to get one of them just to do a whole video series on, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you just said Harbor Freight in the emails. Hey, will you sponsor a I'm working on it. We uh so okay. Anyway, Becky has opened up a Toolman Tim email address just to strictly that one. And she said, give me a list of all the companies you want me to reach out to. Tell me what products you use of theirs. And so we're gradually working our way through all these companies of things that I actually use and actually support. Good. So hopefully yeah, Harvard Great will come through for me. Yeah, give them a return of investment, you know, tell them. Uh, Absolutely. I love it. Yeah, I don't know. We'll I see. Mean, you you guys don't have them up in Canada, though, right? No, I'd be the only Canadian that would talk about them. Yeah, but I mean, that's that's a very good point. You drive across the border to go buy their products. You're some dedicated Harbor Freight. You drive it. You know how many miles it is. <laughs> the nearest Harbor Freight to me is a seven hour drive away. So there you go. They're just selling for you. I drive yeah. seven hours for Harbor Freight stuff. You guys know I never go to the States without uh, snapping a selfie in front of a Harbor Freight. So, <laughs> so I, I don't know. It's fun. I enjoy it. I, yeah, I picked up a, a new product. I haven't even taken a picture yet. Just came out last week at Harbor Freight. It's one of those battery top-offs. So you put it on their cordless battery, and it gives you 150-watt AC outlet on it. So we'll test that guy out on one of their uh, one of their batteries. Same thing as the DeWalt, you know. But So let's go around the horn. Um, well, yeah, no. I, Byron, where can anybody find you if they ever want to talk to you? Well, I got uh, two Instagrams, actually. Oh. Underscore LJ is my Say that page. again, Flower. Foolish Habit underscore LJ. Okay. And my personal Instagram is Byron.Roberts06. Okay. I need to get back on it. That's more of the prepping, gardening. Uh, I've been kind yeah, of on both Instagrams. So. Send me links anytime. I'd love to. I'll, I'll promote it for sure. So. All right. Rachel, where can people find you other than at the warehouse when you're working? On the traps. I'm on chat. I'm on Nate's chat. I'm on the Liberty Meats chat. Uh, American Breast Chickens chat. Occasionally, I pop in over on the Lots chat, but that's usually just to clear it because it'll end up being 500 messages halfway through the day. <laughs> um, yeah, Telegram chats. I'm around usually doing something stupid. We love you. You drop in between, uh, you know, um, playing with your dog and playing pool, and we get to hear about it. I always love hearing from you because I know you're busy, but I, I appreciate you coming by all the time. So, Actually, right now, I'm working on propagating a bunch of plants. Ooh, what are you propagating? I have seven kinds of mint, okay. four kinds of peppers, uh, four, yeah, four... Uh, Heirloom tomatoes, four different varieties of heirloom tomatoes. Um, I, I basically went to the farmer's market while I had a couple of days off and got somewhere, I'd say a good $300 of plants for less than a $100. Less than $100. Wow. Nice. How'd you get them so cheap? Just by going to the farmer's market instead? Yeah. I mean, the one stand that I stopped at, I picked up a citronella plant that's Ooh. probably a good two feet tall for eight bucks. Yes, sir. Um, Roman chamomile, which is a perennial. So I'm hoping to be able to spread that around. I really want to put in a nice tea garden. So that's one of the reasons for being able for uh, yeah. to propagate it. 
But I also figured that'd be a nice little thing that maybe I could put on Etsy or something like that. Uh, custom tea blends, something like that. I'd buy some. I don't even drink that much tea, but I would. Sure. That's cool. I like hearing that. Yeah, that market's taken off a little bit. There's a someone local that sells our farmer's market that's selling their own teas and stuff now. So. Well, just in the mints, I have apple mint, pineapple mint, chocolate mint, strawberry mint, mojito mint, which I never heard of before, and then the regular peppermint and spearmint. <laughs> Sounds pretty good. I, I think you got a mint idea there. Oh, dear God. <laughs> Shut up, Tim. Dad joke. <laughs> How about you, Big Bad Nate? Where can people find you? Well, I'll I give everybody a tip. If you if you want to shop at farmers markets, go at the end of the day, and offer them less money, so they don't have to take the stuff home. Honey, <laughs> I think you do that. <laughs> I, there's the one guy that has a fruit stand on the one side, and uh, plants on the other side. He has four girls that work for him. So one was running one register, one was running nice. the other register. And the other two girls are like running around picking out all the stuff that they really don't want to take home. Fill up like one of those six foot tables that's in the main walk area. And the guy's just like, 10 bucks for the whole table. Oh, yep. there you go. Yep. So, yep. So, like so. those uh, bushel boxes that you would get the bananas in? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, ten bucks. Nice, nice. So yeah, you, can find, uh, you can find us uh, twochickshomestead.com. Which um, chick are you? I am the bearded chick. Thank you. Um, okay. Just get that out there right now. Um, Aaron and I do a weekly uh, bi-weekly podcast right now, so uh, we'll probably pick it up since we're getting a little bit busier now. We got some stuff to talk about, so. Nice. And ham radio. Do you know anybody that could help with ham radio? Yep. If you have any questions on ham radio, just hit me up. You can find me in uh, Tim's telegram chat. I just posted a couple pictures earlier tonight. So if you got any questions on what that stuff is or what it costs? Oh, you only... <laughs> I, don't, I heard something. Did you say narc or, or nerd? No, I said he's going to make my wallet hurt. Oh, I thought he, yeah. I heard Mark. I'm like, what's wrong with me? Anyway, go ahead. Um, I, I, I can get you guys started. I mean, really, if you are interested, seriously interested in ham radio, it's going to be about two grand to get set up. That's fair. So, At least you're honest about it. I mean, it's that's it, it is what it is. So, cool. Well, thank you, guys. This was another good one. Uh, I guess I think the next one we will do, I don't know the exact date yet. We'll figure that out. But the next one's going to be, what's it called? The day out? No. What, uh, is, is it one year after? after? One year after? One year after. Sure. Yeah, um, I haven't read it yet, so I got to do it. Moon Bear's looking for a link. What link are you looking for, Moon Bear, before we close up here? I'll, I'll put it through for you. And if not, we, is it the Telegram link you're looking for? Because it just... Uh, We'll throw that back up one more time. And um, if if you need any of Nate's links, uh, it's, what is it, twochicks.com? It's uh, twochickshomestead.com is the website. And then our Telegram, I can send it to you. Okay. So there's um, Nate's twochickshomestead.com. Oh, uh, no, oh, thank no. Okay, looking for Telegram or something. So we got yep. Nate up there and we got 
the Telegram group, and we'll share. If you've got it, Nate, throw it over to me. And there's our. I just sent you our Telegram. Our Telegram. Okay. Copy link. Here it is, guys. For anybody still listening, that isn't half in the bag or half asleep on the East Coast, we get you a. Uh, yeah. There you. Uh, it's coming through. Yep. There we are. Cool. All right, guys. With that, we always appreciate you. And as always, stay happy, stay healthy, and have a great week.